The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Okay. It's an AMA. They ask it. We had to, we had to do anything. it. We had to do it. Okay. So. And it can be just you respect them that much that you know that you. I respect <laughs> this guy's spiral so much. I want to get in bed with him and spoon him and just have fun. Yo, what up, everybody? Chris Sims unbutton. We're back. It's Tuesday afternoon. Welcome. Ahmed Farid is here today, my homie, that, Mr. Horseman yeah, That is me, Horseman. I'm, That's a, ho- I'm a Horseman yes, now. You Technically, are. I've covered Expert. the Kentucky Derby and right. the Preakness, and now I am a Horseman. Yeah, and now you have uh, two more weeks to the Belmont, right? Yeah. Two more weeks to the Belmont, and then erase everything you know and restart for next year. Good job by you finally catching up on the business. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Yeah, I was really disappointed when I was like, okay, I learned about all the horses for the Kentucky Derby. Next year when they come back in the Kentucky Derby, it'll be really good. They go, no, they don't come back. <laughs> yeah, um, right. That's it. Yeah, you're three fighting. old horses. So, uh, <laughs> All right. Which, by the way, the intro that we ran right there, one of my favorite moments of the podcast so far. You like that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It, good. You got like a little embarrassed with that whole thing. So did I, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a little weird. It okay. got weird. <laughs> yeah. It definitely got weird. So hopefully we do that again today, which, by the way, this is the first time I've done the podcast where we've been raised up. Oh, welcome to the big league, sir. So what this, this is big time over what here. Happened? I don't know if you heard. We're WNBC. <laughs> And we got desks and everything now. I, don't I do. Know. I've been asking for this. Yes. And they finally got sick of hearing me talk about it on the podcast and in the office hallways to where they gave me so give them a here. desk. It just feels better. I feel more professional sitting here with everything in front of me, accessible. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in like the crouching tiger, hidden dragon pose <laughs> to look up things on my computer. Yeah. So this is just uh, more professional. I can. I have more space. Yeah. I have more space for my mugs and my drink and my papers and everything. We're good. Yeah. All right. And then, the, all right, let's talk about what we got coming up on the show here. Okay. I mean, first thing is we got, we're going to hit some news, certainly. Yes. Uh, we're going to have a little segment called No Spleen Zone, okay? What is that about? Well, you know, if you haven't heard, I'm missing one of my organs, the I've spleen. Heard that. No, that's uh, come up a few times. Yeah. yeah, we're going to get into some uh, some bull crap that I think is going around the NFL that it's just, uh-huh. um, it's not going to fly here. Sorry, you pattern's feel like there's full. A, there's a little yeah. spin or spleen going on. Yeah, a little say, BS going yeah, on. Like and that. I'm going to say that doesn't fly here on Chris Sims on Button. So I'm going to try to uh, set that straight. And, um, you know, we'll talk about the, what else are we going to talk about? Winners and losers, okay? Oh, and I, then I have, yeah. I, have I do want to just let people know that I'm going to Buffalo tomorrow. And for the Thursday podcast, I believe we're going to have it for the Thursday podcast. I'm not even sure. I might be speaking on a turn. But I'm going to hang out with Josh Allen and oh. maybe a few other Buffalo Bills players tomorrow. So that's something to look forward to on the podcast. So there's a little rundown and of what to look forward to. You're higher on Buffalo. I remember I when am. we did our rankings yes. of the, the top teams in the NFL based be on one of those teams. I was I'm, too low on Buffalo and you said you got to be higher on Yeah, Buffalo. yeah, your your rankings were good other than Buffalo and Jacksonville. I think those are the only You're, two yeah. you, you messed too out low. messed messed up on. But um other than that, uh, it's good to see you, dude. When the hell's the last time you've been here? I it's guess it was. Been, it's been a, like a couple weeks. I think, AMA. It was the, the AMA. It was the AMA. And you're going to be maybe back for Thursday, which everybody out there, we're doing another AMA. So yep. uh, bring the heat, okay? And we do ask. I everything. expect <laughs> and you know, whatever you want. And anything goes on Chris Sims Unbutton. Oh, very well done. Ooh, nice placement of the Mahomes pillow oh, if you're behind watching me an- by Matt Casey. Very oh. nice. He's such a nice interior decorator, my housewife, my work wife. Sorry. Because the angles have changed with the desk raised up, and so we got to make sure the pillows are part of the pro- Yeah, well, production. he stitched that pillow together, so, of course, it's very important. Um, so we got the news, and the reason that I haven't done uh, a show with you here lately is because I have been covering the horses, and so we start our news with Bodie Express. Yeah. Are you familiar with this horse? I, I from am. Freakness? Yes. So basically he was that was number, kind of awesome. The number nine. Right. And immediately uh, bucks his jockey off, who is fine, by the way. Yeah, um, I was concerned. But... And then it continues to run the race. The right. horse runs the race and finishes 
the race and actually finished in front of another horse in the, pre- in the Preakness. I, we actually have the video if you're watching on, on, on YouTube. I mean, we um, should have the video. It was only on our damn network. I mean, so, but here yeah. we go. Here, so it, here is. it is. Right okay, the- Jockey OK. And, and then there goes the nine. And he just continues to go. What a good horse. What a good horse. Well trained. What a good animal. First of all, one of my favorite things about this whole thing is not the jockey falling off, but how disappointed the handler was that was in the gate that was trying to get the horse and the jockey out. He was, like, legitimately pissed off at himself, like an aw shucks. I just screwed this guy's life up. Well, he he, he was holding onto the reins. It was very odd. All right, full transparency. It's awesome that he finished, right? Yes. I didn't watch it in live. I feel guilty. I went and saw Avengers. That's all right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, as NBC. Long as went- Don't be mad at me. Oh, you did watch Avengers. I watched Avengers. I had to watch it. Yeah. The kids wanted to go Saturday that, afternoon. Did so that we, live up to the missed. expectation? Not for me. It didn't. Oh. It was good. It wasn't great. I mean, gosh, damn, how many times do I got to travel down a damn time hole to go back to the future, to go to the future, to go to the past? We got to go to the past, to the future, to stop then. Like, to me, it just went it got too. It got to be too, too much. much a little to me. Yes. Like, there's no way my eight-year-old had any fucking clue what was going on. He was like, <laughs> what world are we in? What time is this now? So it was all over the place. And you go, I can't help point. you because I don't know yeah. what's happening. Right yeah. Now. Okay. I'm not going to give a spoiler alert, but that was the one thing that annoyed me about the movie. And so that's really in right now. You got there's a lot of that going on. People, Game of Thrones. People didn't like. Oh, that. I'm hoping Avengers to find Lashawn McCoy at Buffalo tomorrow and discuss that with him. Because uh, he's it. the first one that gave up the end of uh, the End Game Avengers. Oh, he he he, he, he started this phenomenon of spoiling. The, the movie for everybody, yes, he when started was that? it. On like Twitter the first or? night, he went on Twitter and I guess gave it away on who finally ends the game for Avengers oh. and who does it. So, you know what? Another thing me. I just want to throw one yeah. prop, props to. Okay. Uh, does nobody's talking about it, at least I don't think enough in the national media, is the damn golf right now. Brooks Kepka, that's just one thing. Right off the top, before we get into football, okay. Brooks Kepka is like journeying. Into like some special categories here for the last eight majors yep. has a chance to really be the guy in golf going forward. And if you listen to Tiger Woods or Tiger Woods caddy, they've been making comments about him like they think he is next, basically, to be that guy that maybe is Tiger Woods or whatever. But just cool, and which uh, we've kind of seen before. Right? I know, you know Jordan but Spieth. It's like, oh, he's the guy. Right. He's kind of, maybe he's not. The I guy. believe it with this guy though. I do. I think everything. Why? Goes, he's got like the Jordan Spieth mentality and yeah. calm, cool nature, but he's got more physical. Ability. You know, I just I look at the Kepka guy and yeah. go, this is a special athlete, not just a sure. golfer. And uh, come on, four out of eight majors, that's pretty amazing. And, and from what I understand, is he's not he doesn't really even like golf that much. He's like, I don't really watch it. When well, I, go I know, home. I know, <laughs> I know he was made fun of growing up. His dad used to say, like, you know, oh, you're, you're calling yourself an athlete and doing all those type of things. But yeah, yeah he's showing checks now that's saying, you know, I am an athlete and I'm very well paid for it. I don't watch a whole lot of golf. But yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed that he's been, he's been trending a lot more lately. Yeah. Although, you know, he is physically imposing. But Rory, Rory McIlroy. Yeah. He works out a lot and he's faded now. Yeah, he's not he's been not anything good. special. You're right. So you gotta wait. You gotta yeah. wait. Give me give him ten years of doing this, then maybe I'll jump on board. Okay. So he 10 has years. To, one decade. Okay. If can keep it up for one decade. Thank you. That's my threshold. Okay, good. Thank <laughs> you. I'm sure he's very concerned with that. All right. News of the day. Yeah. Uh actually of the last few days here to catch up on, on some of the things that have happened. And we will start. We we got Zeke in the news, Zeke uh, Ezekiel Elliott. We've got possibly Peyton Manning being a GM in the news. But let's start with the, the Bucks cutting Gerald McCoy. He was the most senior member of the defense, nine seasons with the club, 31 years old. I think he had three years remaining on the contract. Yep. Of course, Bruce Arians now the now the new man in town, the new man in charge. So who knows exactly what they were thinking. It wasn't like he was unproductive, too. He's still been fairly productive. You look over at Pro yep. Football Focus, they had him as the 29th. Interior lineman, which is still pretty good. Yeah, okay. Um, so, so what do you make of the news of uh, the Bucks and Gerald McCoy parting ways? You know, I, I, honestly, I was a little surprised. I knew that this was a possibility. I honestly thought with the JPP situation and the fact that he got in a car accident, has the neck injury, that yeah. that actually might, you know, make the Bucks, Bucks just go, you know what? We got some issues in our D-line here, and we have uh, maybe a little less depth than we thought here to where they would keep a Gerald McCoy around. Listen, I'll say this. To defend the the Tampa Bay Bucs, is Gerald McCoy worth $13 million a year at this point of his career? No, he's not. Certainly not. But I do think he's going to have tremendous interest on the market, first off. And a guy that would – 
I think going to be able to command eight, nine, maybe ten million dollars for one or a two-year span in the NFL with some sort of football team. Uh, I think there's going to be an incredible market for him. But to like what you said, hey, Gerald McCoy, he, yeah, he's no longer like in the conversation for one of the best D tackles in football. Okay, I get that, but he's still really good. And for a guy who's as talented as he is and was and everything like that, been on a team and been like in like. Futile, Tampa Bay, where never been to the playoffs all his years right. there. You know, I do think a change of scenery and change of culture can bring out another year or two of greatness of a, of a player of this type of caliber. So uh, I expect the market to be pretty robust for him. I mean, really, listen, I'm going to just list out some teams that I think should and will be, I think, for the most part, players in the, you know, uh, Gerald McCoy free agency yeah, tour. That need them and would be a fit. Yeah, like, right. And it fits it fits with the money situation, anything there. First off, the Indianapolis Colts. I, I mean, the Indianapolis Colts have all the money in the world right now as far as the salary cap's concerned. They have a need at the interior defensive line position, too. So that makes sense. But I'll just list them off. The Indianapolis Colts, the Los Angeles Chargers. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Cleveland Browns, who we have heard were in some discussions with Tampa Bay about trading for Gerald McCoy. I think the New England Patriots are going to be a team that will get involved. This is right up their alley. An aging ex-superstar who wants to be a part of a winning culture and see what it's going to be like. And then Bill can lowball you maybe for like one or two less million than everybody else does in football right. because, oh, you'll get to come here and play in the playoffs and maybe win a ring. And so that I think they're going to be a player. The Seattle Seahawks, they've been talked about it, uh, in this uh, as well with Ndama Kinsu. I think that's a real possibility. The Tennessee Titans, I'm going to put them in there. They drafted Jeffrey Simmons in the first round of Mississippi State. He tore his ACL preparing for the combine, so I don't think he's going to be ready to go. I think there's probably still a need there. And the last team I'll throw in there is the Philadelphia Eagles, who are always looking for more depth on the D-line yeah. and are also in a good salary cap situation, too. And always, I had heard through the draft process that the Eagles were looking you know, in the first round to hope, to, hopefully to get a big-time defensive tackle in the first round. And they all went off the board, and then they had to go another avenue. So those are teams, at least, that make sense to me right at base level. And I do think a guy like McCoy, where he's at in his career, and we mentioned no playoffs or anything like that, he's going to want to go to a contender. It's not just going to be, oh, I'm going to go to the team that's going to pay me the most money. No, no, screw that. He's made a ton of money in his career already. I don't think he's going to penny pinch over a million or $2 million yeah. here or there. It's going to be a, more about the situation. It's about the life experience. After a while, as a so. player, exactly it's about the right. life experience. It's right. like, okay, is it is another million dollars, although a lot of money, is that enough to bypass a playoff run with yes. a good team and a different experience? That's why you play. 100%. And it's a different – playoff football is special. Even in big-time NFL football, when you get in the playoffs, it is a different atmosphere. So the the Bucks here, they they probably waited to do this now because they were trying to trade him, see if, if there's any interest out there, if yeah. they could get something back. Right. No, for the money that he was making for the thirteen million. So now you, you got that money, and there are reports out there that maybe they look at Endomic and Sue for ten million. So if you're the Bucks, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Gerald McCoy yep. at thirteen million, right, or Endomic and Sue at ten million? Okay, I mean, I would rather have probably Sue at ten million. I would. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny that. I think if I just went apples to apples and you said, all right, who's the better player, Sue or McCoy, at this point in the career? I would give the edge to Sue. I, I would. I don't think it's by by a lot. I really don't. I mean, again, I could sit here and argue that McCoy was the best player in the Buccaneers defense last year. And, you know, I know that's not saying a lot either because they're not the most talented defense in the world. You know, but the other thing I think you risk, yeah, okay, I would take Sue on the field. But Sue, of course, does have a little history of, you know, sure. ruffling feathers in the locker room and speaking out loud. And went pretty well in L.A. last year, Went right? very well in yeah. L.A. But in Miami, it was kind of falling off the, the tracks a little bit towards the end. And, of course, we know in Detroit it had some issues here and there too. So, you know, on, on the field, certainly Sue – uh, as far as a better player, but not by a lot. Yeah. But I do think you take a risk as far as having him in the locker room. And if things don't go well or your team does fall apart and all of a sudden you look up and you're 4-8, and eight, I think an Adama Kinsu is a lot more likely to spout off about issues on the team right. than a Gerald McCoy is. So yeah. that's, to me, the, the balance you have to figure out. But I think a lot of the same teams that, are, that we mentioned for McCoy are going to be in the Sioux sweep, sweepstakes yeah. as well. Uh, it's go and, and also with Sioux, like you talked about with McCoy and we've already hit here, I just I have a hard time believing he would go to a place like Tampa Bay. I do. At this point of his career, all the money he's made, 
I would think, again, he's going to be looking for a Rams-type situation. Sure. Where's a place I can go Unless they outbid for him, but at that point, you might I mean, the Bucks might as well just kept McCoy. Yeah, they, yeah. they got to pay him the well, same amount of money. Well, they have to pay him the same amount of money. Exactly right. People are going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Exactly. So before we, we move yeah. on from the Bucks, yeah. they've done a lot this offseason. Just real, real, what, do you, what do you think of all the things they've done? They re-signed the defensive tackle Donovan Smith for three years, $41 million. They lost Quan Alexander to the 49ers. They traded Deshaun Jackson. They drafted Devin White out of LSU, number five overall. Right. Uh, what, what, what do you make of it so far? Are they better? Are they worse than they were a couple months ago? I think that they're better right off the bat, especially from the coaching standpoint. I mean, I'm a Bruce Arians fan, for one, so I love that move. And two, I'm a big Todd Bowles fan as far as being a defensive okay. coordinator. So I think those are two major improvements right off the bat. Um, you know, the draft, hey, I, I, liked, I liked a lot of the things they did in the draft, specifically the first few picks with Devin White, Sean Bunting, the corner out of Central Michigan, Jamel Dean, uh, who was a third-round corner out of Auburn, who I think has a chance to truly be a superstar in the NFL. So I like that. Free agency, nothing special. The biggest thing I think to look at there is Donovan Smith. They've re-signed him as far as to be that franchise left tackle. Yeah. You know, take a shot on Brashad Perriman to see if he can kind of replace the Deshaun Jackson, you know, factor as far as going uh, deep down the field. And then they got Dayon Buchanan, who – has familiarity with Todd Bowles and the system, and it's a similar system that uh, Buchanan was in, uh, in in Arizona before here. So that that makes sense. I don't look at the offseason and go, wow, what a special offseason. I think the thing I look at and go, okay, there's coaching changes I like, and I do think there's potential on this roster in general. You know, I do. Now, JPP being off the team and Gerald McCoy, that'll make me reevaluate a little bit. Uh, but linebackers, okay. There's some young talent in the secondary. Yeah. I still have faith in guys like Vernon Hargraves. But the defense is going to be a big question because they've sucked the last few years. There's no other way Can to put it. Can they develop? Can they yeah. develop on Can the Can they develop side? some of these young guys? Sure. Offense, I think, has – I mean, when you just talk about can Bruce Arians rein in Jameis – yeah. But they got Mike Evans and O.J. Howard, and Peyton Barber's a better running back than Seems people like they realize. have enough tools. So I think they have Arians enough tools on the offensive side of the ball. Sure. It is about the defense. Uh, okay, so that's the Bucks in the news. Also, unfortunately, uh, in the news once again, who, who's been in the news a lot this offseason. Yeah. A lot for good things yeah, for right. Ezekiel Elliott. He's right. done a, a lot of really good things. He had a youth football camp. Uh, last week, also, you know, I don't know if uh, we it talked paid about for a it, funeral, right? Of a St. Louis high school football football yes. prospect as well. So Ezekiel Elliott has done a lot of really good things this offseason. Unfortunately, a video surfaced on a Monday of Ezekiel Elliott involved in an altercation at a concert in Las Vegas. Video of him being placed in handcuffs. Although the Cowboys uh, COO Stephen Jones says uh, he was not arrested, although. When you're in handcuffs, you actually are. Are, are arrested. you are technically arrested you're te- at that yeah. point? You're not charged. Yeah, necessarily charged. Well, but you're, you're arrested. You're not free to go about your day. You're right. With handcuffs on, you need those removed. So, uh, but but we saw that video of Ezekiel Elliott, and what do you what do you make of that? What an what an interesting offseason. All right. Well, let him. me ask you first of all. I mean, what'd you make of it? Like, what'd you think of it? Just looking back at it real quick. So, from talking to you, yeah. and and other people, you know, you talked about players and you go out sometimes and you are the spotlight of of fans yeah sometimes if you're at a bar at a concert sometimes intoxicated fans who are giving you the business and there is a line between sticking up for yourself and your friends and going across that line and doing something that may be seen as being too uh too confrontational yeah I, i sympathize with with people who are in the public spotlight who are trying to, you know, go to a concert, yeah, be right. out, live their life, live their life, right. right? Because you don't know the circumstances around what happened there. You don't know exactly what went back and what was said to him. What was so? I, I just there's not enough information for me to make a judgment. Yeah. On. Okay. All right. I mean, again, this is not. <clears throat> excuse me. It's not the most egregious things I've seen, seen in the world. Uh, I think it more, it doesn't, like, I don't look at it and go, oh, gosh, this video on TMZ. And I think people need to look at the link of this video. We're not going to post it up here on the website, so you're going to have to go find it somehow, some way. But I encourage people to look at it. You know, one, okay, yes, he gets in the face of uh, one of the security guards. He kind of bullies him, yeah. kind of smushes him, pushes him back. The guy kind of loses his balance. and. He kind of gives him a nudge to make sure he falls sure. over. So, yes, not a great look for him, but I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my gosh, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. Where I think it's bad for him, first of all, he's already got a little bit of a reputation, deservedly so or yeah. not, just because of some of the, the six-game suspension from two years ago. And I don't know if that was necessarily just, but the reputation's there. Two, 
You know, you could argue he's the face of the franchise for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, three, he's looking for a big-time money new contract, and he should be because two out of the last three years he's led the NFL in rushing, and he takes a beating as far as the way he plays the game. He should be asking for money. But, like, situations like this are not going to make the Cowboys feel warm and cozy about giving you long-term money. Now, they're going right. to eventually, and I know Ezekiel Elliott is loved by the Dallas Cowboys and loved by just about everybody that's ever played with him or coached him. He's got an amazing way about him, apparently. But what I want to say to everybody out there is go watch that video, you know, and I just want to go to Ezekiel. What are you doing, man? You're walking around Las Vegas and I don't know, a concert park where there's not really that many people walking around. You're Ezekiel Elliott. You're wearing a bright yellow Lakers jersey. Yeah. And it just doesn't look right that you're walking around and this issue having to deal with this. I don't know what happened with his girlfriend, but obviously there was a confrontation there. And it's just little things that he like this he's got to watch out for because it's just little things like this that can snowball into something way worse the next time to where maybe the next time the security offers a little bigger and he decides to stand up and maybe he, he nudges back. And now Ezekiel throws a punch. And all of a sudden we go, oh, my gosh, a brawl broke out. And, you know, he broke his wrist or his arm. So that's where I just go. It just shows lack of maturity here. Sure. And that's where I'd like to see him improve. Right, right. And, and for me, I'm just sympathetic to the fact, and you're right, and those are all, those are all valid, valid points, of course. Um, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the fact that we live in this day and age where a lot of things are out there, a lot of things are recorded more than they used to be. Yeah. Yep. And we like to define people by the worst moments in their life a right. lot of times. And we like, to, we like to say, oh, let's take this guy and throw him in the discard bin for this one thing that happened two years ago, and we don't have to worry about him anymore. He's, he's a bad guy, and right. we all know it because of this one thing that happened that one time. And so I'm sympathetic to that. That You should be. Good we, for you. We live, in this, we live in a time where it's just like we take the worst moments of people's lives right. and try to define them by that. Yes. You know? And so... A mistake, right? Rethink what you're doing. Z. You t- you don't put yourself in those situations, but I also don't want to define him by some of the worst moments in, in, in his yeah, life. Yeah, no, and exactly right. And, I, and again, I don't think this is egregious enough to let this define him, but uh, just something I want to say to him, just be careful with, because yes. it, it could very cl- easily ruin the rest of your life. Make smarter, smarter decisions. Right. Um, the, the Jets are trying to make some, some dis- smart decisions. Yeah. I think there's some debate on if the, the decisions they've made here over the past few months are smart decisions but one guy who I think a lot of a lot of people think is a very bright man very yeah. smart is is Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and we heard over the last few days that Peyton Manning was perhaps in the mix to be the GM right. of the New York Jets there was maybe some interest on the Jets side we didn't know how much interest was on the Peyton Manning side I think zero we've since learned right. that that's not going to happen no. um so so what do you make of the the idea that Peyton Manning maybe could be a GM one day and that the Jets were perhaps poking around at him. Yeah, well, I mean, anytime Peyton Manning's name is thrown into any conversation, we're going to talk about it. Come on, it's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport. We yes. know that. I mean, it's, it's, it's football royalty and the Manning family, all of that. So I get it. Um, I never bought into the story totally, you know, and then I made calls around the NFL, and I know some people that hang around Peyton Manning in his, in, during his personal time anyways, and I just knew that he's not ready for this yet. This is not – right now he's just enjoying being a retired quarterback, playing golf, having fun, hanging out with the guys, doing all that kind of stuff. It's not about, you know, he's grinding in a room, right. p- paying attention to free agents and draft picks and, like, m- getting ready for his GM opportunity somewhere down the line. No, you know, the, n- none of this speaks to the way Peyton Manning would act. Now, I think it became a story because probably his name was thrown out there by somebody in Jets brass, and then his name gets thrown out there, and everybody just jumps on it and goes, oh, the Jets are thinking about Peyton Manning. But, you know, at the very least, come on, we all know Peyton Manning to be extremely prepared and always yeah. do things the right way. Does this really seem like the situation that, oh, let me jump into the dysfunctional Jets with my old friend Adam Gase and just yeah. see if I can fix it up. I know nothing about the team. I'm straight off the ninth green, but but I'll figure it out because I'm Peyton Manning. No, we know Peyton Manning's not like that. I mean, yeah. Peyton Manning's like ultra prepared. He crosses the T, tw- the T twice and dots the I twice, okay? That's what he does. And when it comes time for Peyton Manning to be the GM, we're going to know about it and we're going to hear about the lead up to it. Like, to me, this would be more likely if you told me, ooh, Peyton Manning's name is thrown into this conversation, 
to start up the talk for next year of him finding a GM, I would have a harder, t- easier time believing that than I would actually believe he's trying to be a GM right now in the NFL. But ultimately, listen, I think it's going to be two things with Peyton Manning, two teams that jump out to me. The Tennessee Titans, okay, okay. who are in kind of an ownership limbo themselves right now. The New Orleans Saints, who are also in the same conversation. He went to the University of Tennessee. He's from New Orleans. I think ultimately he's going to go to a place where he has total control. And total control, I mean, he's going to be part of an ownership group that's going to buy one of these teams, right? And they're going to make him the president of football operations. And he's going to make all the tough calls and all the the, the (sighs) big-time moves that you have to make to run a successful organization. And if it doesn't work out, he goes, how can you fire me? I'm the owner. You oh, can't well, fire the owner. <laughs> right, right. I would imagine that he would. He would have some stock in, uh, in, that, in that situation. But, yes, that is how I envision it unfolding for Peyton Manning. It's not going to be, oh, you guys need a GM? Me, yeah. me, me. Okay, I'll come Mass and do it. confusion, no. late, late firing of a, of a GM. No, I no. think it's more likely he's going to do, you know, when he decides to do this, we're going to hear about, oh, Peyton's getting prepared for his next So how did his life. name come up here? I don't I mean, know. What, Somebody from the Jets New really York media, want the Jets, him? they must have been floated Maybe out there. we just started talking about it. And then it. people just run away Maybe with it. It was never a thing. We just we I just don't think it was ever it. a thing other than that his name might have been brought up in the Jets facility. All right. Speaking of never a thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've ever done this segment before. Right. It's time. For the no spleen zone. No spleen zone. So the what, basically what this is is there's a lot of spin that happens. I mean, you know, all year long in the NFL, but definitely in the offseason. Yeah. Because you got you don't have games happening, and so you got to talk about something. Yeah. Peyton Manning to the Jets as a yeah, GM. Right. And so, but there's a lot of spin that happens. It's kind of like in, in baseball spin. too, and in spring training, you're like, oh, the guy's in the best shape of his life. He's not really, right. but you just say that in the offseason. Yeah. So here's the no spleen zone, uh, and we're gonna start because we just talked about the Jets. We're going to start with the, uh, the spin that's coming out of New York right now. Yeah. Is that Adam Gase is making a huge power play oh, in his first few weeks with the team. Play. Getting GMs fired, hiring his own friends as the GM, right. perhaps, here in the near future. It's a power play for Adam Gase. You, oh, buying, that, you no, buying that spleen? No, no, sorry, Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. Don't come in here with that BS, okay? First off, let's just start off with, like, the most base-level thinking of this all together, right? Adam Gase, I think a lot of them, but I'm certainly not putting him in like one of the greatest coaches in the NFL right now category, nor do I think anybody else in their right mind would do that. I respect Adam Gase, too. I'm just trying to make sure everybody knows that, and I do think he's a good football coach. But like, let's just take it from the base premise of this right here. Okay. Do you think the Jets and ownership were like, man, let's let Adam Gase come in here and just run the show because it works so awesome in Miami. Yeah. Let's let him call all the shots and have all the power and you know, ultimately let him do whatever he wants with the roster. No, of course that's not what happened. I mean, as dysfunctional and dumb as maybe some out there think the Jets are, they're just not that dumb. I can tell you that to where they're just going to let that happen. So there was no, you know, fight for power within the organization. McCagnan's ass was on the hot seat before Gase was hired as the Jets head coach. I mean, there was a lot of talk that it would be Bowles and McCagnan out of here together. McCagnan somehow saved his job. Okay. So he does that. Okay. But, and, and. And but I don't think Adam Gase came in from day one and was like, right. I got to replace. But what this. broke though? What, well, bro- what? How did it end up? I, I think that ultimately it was probably going this way altogether. Yeah. I'm not so sure that this wasn't the ultimate plan to begin with, anyways. You but know, let him run the draft. People are making the- yeah in free agency. It's the end of the year. It, it not every team and ownership is going to go. Oh, we want a new GM to come in in the middle of January. You know, right before free agency starts and figure it out for our team and yeah. make all the right moves. A lot of times ownership and people in high places look at it and just go, no, let's just stay the course. We got Adam Gase. He can infiltrate some of the thoughts that McCagnan maybe is having as far as free agency and have right. conversations about it. But at no point do I think Adam – did Adam Gase maybe open up some eyes of the owner about things he didn't like about the roster that McCagnan maybe have done or didn't do or whatever it may be? Sure. But McCagnan's butt was on the hot seat regardless, and there was no control for power here uh, at the very base level. That just kind of annoys me. Uh, I guess, in that conversation altogether. They're going to hire a GM in New York at some point. Adam Gase is not going to have control. He hasn't earned but that he control. Could have, he could have influence, for he, sure. Okay, uh, he sure. Should have influence and the Jets, if they're who. smart, they should hire a GM that they feel like is good for the future of their franchise, not just necessarily a guy that they think is going to 
work perfectly with Adam Gase, okay? So the name we're hearing is the Eagles VP of Player Personnel, Joe Douglas. They which work, makes sense. They work together in Chicago. In Chicago for a year, right. So, I don't know how much you know about Joe Douglas, but, I mean, the Eagles, they yeah, good Eagles are sure the last few years. Exactly right. He was uh, with the Ravens, I believe, for a number of years too. And then you said the Bears. I mean, those are three yep. front offices I would look at and go, ooh, that's a pretty damn good track record. Sure. I've heard good things about him. So, hey, we'll see where it goes from there. But I think that's the big thing. And the number one thing I heard more than anything with Mike McCagnan through this process here is, you know, the one of the biggest concerns with the Jets in that is that McCagnan was one of the – he was a big talker to the media. And I know that rubs some people the wrong way in the higher-up positions with the New York Jets. They felt like McCagnan was releasing information and some of the things that shouldn't be released uh, into the media because of his connections and phone calls he was making. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I so mean, there's all there's a lot there to it. If it's you're looking for Adam Gase re- making a power sure. play is my point. Like, if you're looking for reasons why the timing was what it was, I mean, that certainly could be it, right? There's it's, more information coming sure. out than you, you would have liked. The as crazy as everybody's trying to make it to be. This is the start of the new year for GMs right now. Yeah. So it's not a crazy move that the Jets made. I, I don't think this is as, like, not thought out. I think this was thought out, and they felt like this was the right time. So, I mean, maybe they just didn't ultimately like some of the stuff that happened to in the offseason, and one of those was signing Le'Veon Bell. Sure. He's got questions around that and didn't show up to voluntary workouts. How much do you... There's questions around everything Mike McCagna did as a GM. So sure. it's everything that led up to it. Whether I talked about this a little last week, whether it's trading up to get Bryce Petty, who's no longer on the roster, or having one of the worst, dumbest fucking draft picks we've seen in the last 10 years in Christian Hackenberg as a second-round pick where I don't think most teams would have drafted him. I don't think he was draft eligible, let alone a second-round pick. And then a number of mishaps between then, overpaying Le'Veon Bell, overpaying guys like Tremaine Johnson, the optics of how it looks like when Anthony Barr spurned the team. It looked like Kirk Cousins spurned the team. So not only the moves, but I think the perception around the guy all led to him getting fired. You think Le'Veon Bell plays week one with the Jets? Yes, he's yeah. not getting traded. That that You want to talk now. If that happens, I will go, okay, the Jets are dysfunctional, okay? I mean, because, again, Adam Gase might not have wanted to pay Le'Veon Bell $12 million a year, but I guarantee he wanted Le'Veon Bell. I mean, gosh, you get a You're chance. a better team with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, you're the offensive yeah. play caller. You're known as the quarterback gonna, whisperer. All the things it. you want to work, yes. Le'Veon Bell can help. So that, that doesn't make any sense. All right, no spleen zone number two. Yeah. Uh, in the news is Patrick Peterson, who uh, unfortunately the NFL announced Thursday he's suspended for the first six games to start the season. He violated the league's uh, PED policy. It happened the same day that he was at his 2019 Patrick Peterson Celebrity Golf Tournament. So that Which was, thinks, that right? was poor timing uh, for him. He'd known about it for months before then. But he has come out and said that you, uh, you understand my character. He's basically saying, you know, you understand my character. If you're you're watching on YouTube, you see the full quote here. Definitely, definitely sorry for what broke out today. For the most part, I think you guys understand my character and also understand my commitment on and off the field and also to my teammates and also to the Arizona Cardinals organization. So you understand my character. It's a a six-game PED suspension, but, guys, it wasn't that bad because I I got good character. What do you think of that? Well, no, your character's in question. I don't understand your character. I don't. And, and first of all, I I mean, I know you don't know me that well, but if you listen to my old podcast or anything I say now, I am so anti-cheating. It drives me crazy. In fact, to the point where I even told Matt Casey, uh, you know, the producer here, when I made my five top route runners in football – Two weeks ago, I put Julian Edelman on there, and I shouldn't have because he's been busted for PEDs, and I should have never done that. That pissed me off after I did it that I gave him the credit for that. But to me, no, Patrick Peterson, your character and our understanding of it is out the window. I, you know, And again, I like Patrick Peterson in a lot of ways, but it's hard for me to root, him, root for him or buy that bullshit propaganda right there. I mean, one— Okay, there's a lot of things that got to go on for you to fail a drug test. A lot of check pro- points where yeah, you go. Yeah, go, go through it because well, I, I don't know that I mean, let alone just failing, but I'm just talking about the checkpoints so you get your point to where you have a lot of points where you come to the crossroad and go, I'm not doing something good here. I'm cheating. 
I'm doing this wrong. Okay, and Peterson had, I mean, probably lots of incidents of that, whether that's first calling the person to try to get the PEDs to help you to the point now to where, wow, here I am actually going to take the PEDs and receive the benefits of it. But then to further it along, he got a six-game suspension. Why? Because the extra – it's usually a four-game suspension, but gets an extra two because the NFL also costs a masking agent in his urine. Uh, or blood or whatever they took in this in this instance a masking agent to cover up the fact that he was cheating right so you know I'm against that Patrick Peterson was probably on his way to the Hall of Fame I know he wouldn't get my vote now sorry I mean it, it ruins it forever as far as that, that's concerned I don't know what you were doing prior to this um, but certainly in question altogether and I'm certainly allowed to question your character at this point because of all the steps you took to cheat and also knowingly cover it up and then also go to the front office and have the audacity to say restructure my contract so I don't lose as much money in this suspension and then also to say um, it stinks that it broke out on this day of my charity event. The, the big thing is all these problems trace back to one spot and that's to Patrick Peterson because he caused all these problems. So, you know, yeah, I just um, I'm not for it. Cheating in sports has no place for me, especially yeah. PEDs. Not only are you cheating, you know, guys on your team who are trying to make the roster. Sure. You're, you know, cheating the sport in general by taking something that's going to make you better than you really are. You're, you, can, you can, of course, become a bigger, stronger man to where you can endanger players you're playing against now because you're capable of applying more force than you normally yeah. would be. And also, you can also endanger yourself because you become bigger or stronger than your body was intended to be to where all of a sudden you plant your leg in the ground, your ACL tears, and you're going to go, why? Yeah, well, because you you're that. stronger than what you're supposed to be. And, and I think that's, a, that's a, a key point that I don't think enough people think about, especially last year with Julian Edelman, because I think there was a lot of people that said, Julian Edelman, okay, here you are. You're a small receiver. You tore your ACL. Right. You know, what are you going to do? Your career might be over. I don't blame the guy. People say that. I don't blame the guy for doing everything he can to try to get back into football because your career is almost going to be over. Without thinking, like, I think that, that the false idea is that if he doesn't play football, then it's just like, oh, no one gets that job. Well, no. Someone else would have taken Julian Edelman's job. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what you're saying right. there. It wasn't like it just wouldn't have existed. Someone else would have had that job and had an opportunity to play in Tom Brady's offense and maybe become a star and a Super Bowl champion. And so you are taking an opportunity away from someone else by doing something to your body that's ultimately not healthy. And I think that's where you hear from so many players. And it's so telling that you are a guy who has come out strongly against the just, use of performance yeah. enhancing drugs. But even that, you still forgot. About Julian Edelman, and put him in here. The, the fact that you're so strong against it, but in the, this realm of the NFL, not this way in Major League Baseball, where it seems like once a guy has been tabbed with that scarlet letter, he is forever yes. seen as well, a it took cheater. Forever in to the get game. to that point. I mean, they went 20 years with just going, "Hey, you're taking steroids? Me too. Let me have some." It's like sure. candy at a candy store. Yeah. So it took a point to get that. But I know what you're saying. And the NFL, and honestly, in our sports culture right now in America, I feel like we don't make as big a deal about this issue as we used to. And certainly not with the NFL. You're right. In baseball, it seems to be made a bigger deal. Maybe it's because of the harshness of the suspension. Maybe the fact that you can't play in the playoffs – Right when you get suspended you in baseball, play, yeah, and, and like Barry Bonds, his home run record will never be revered like Babe Ruth, definitely or not Henry Aaron or anything like that. But I feel like Julian Edelman was pretty revered for coming back and winning a, a Super Bowl last year with I, the Patriots. So. I agree. I have an issue with that. I really do. I don't get that. And we're in a weird place in our culture right now where we're kind of swiping this stuff under the rug. I think too easily. What what kind of example are we setting for like young children? My son, who I think about in these instances a lot, like. Come on, that's not cool for him to see that. Like, oh, it's cool to cheat and do something else. Two, this is the other thing that drives me crazy. Never gets talked about with this subject. More times than not, these guys are taking things that are illegal through the federal judiciary system. Nobody talks about that aspect of it, that they're taking substances that are not legal in our country more times than not, that you're not allowed to take. So uh, there's that aspect of it, too. Not only are you breaking rules within the game, you're breaking the law to go with it, to cheat, to become better at the game, to gain more money and fame and whatever it may be. So, yeah, that to me uh, annoys me. And uh, So here's here's the difference, I think, with, with baseball is that they're really 
was an uprising within the player group, the the union. They they wanted to clean up the game yeah. because for them, to, to, they didn't want it to be a requirement to be a major league baseball player is that you had to put your body in danger and take steroids that could have an adverse effect later in life to you. And so it was for them, it was a, a player health and safety issue is that I don't want to have to take this stuff or make the decision yeah. just to compete in major league baseball. So I'm surprised that you have you haven't heard that uprising in the NFL where enough players haven't come out and said, you know, let's cut it out because I don't want to have to make this decision yeah. and put my body and my family in danger by, by doing some illegal stuff. I think it would have to be, and, and, and again, I mean, this is a good conversation. This is a deep topic. There's a lot of things we can go here. I think the big thing is you'd have to have more, more famous big-time players in the NFL test positive to then maybe get the backing from the rest of the players to be like, this is bullshit. we got to stop this. I think that's what happened in baseball. It was... Oh, Mark McGuire. Oh, Sammy Sosa. Oh, Barry Bonds. Oh, my gosh. Every one of our stars in the sport is tainted with steroid use. And that hasn't become the case in the NFL. We've had some spottiness here and there. This star took this. This star took that. But, uh, yeah, it seemed like finally Major League Baseball and the players realized, wait, like there's truly a culture here, and it's starting to hurt our sport a little bit. And the NFL hasn't reached that point, and I hope it never does reach that point. And I hope the NFL continues to make their PED drug testing uh, system stronger and stronger and 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 harder to get away with crap uh, like cheating on on drug tests. Yeah, it it is fascinating how it's just it's just totally different. It's just. You say cheating, and you almost, in, in baseball, it's like, yeah, he's definitely cheating. In football, you're like, is he really cheating, or is it just kind of the way you have to be in, in, in the game? And, and that's sad. But it, it's super interesting. Six-game suspension for Patrick Peterson. Yeah. Uh, number three in our no-spleen zone, Big Ben says he's sorry. He's sorry for, for everything that, uh, that I said about Antonio Brown after Week 12 against Denver. Uh, that was when he called him out on a, on a poor route and called out the offensive play caller right. and said that he should have gone to Juju uh, a lot more on that drive. We actually do have the soundbite from Big Ben saying, A.B., I'm sorry. It's a fine line to walk sometimes of, of giving um, information out, um, giving kind of some cool things for the fans to be a part of and um, maybe saying too much. And, and I know that... Um, uh, I took some heat and, and deservedly so uh, for some of the comments that I've made on that show and especially towards him and, and I genuinely feel bad about that and I'm sorry. Did I go too far after that Denver game? Probably. Did I go too far? Probably. Definitely. Just say definitely, first off. <laughs> like, just say that. Just get yeah. it out of the way. You know, he, he dances around. If you listen to the rest of the conversation, too, he kind of goes back and forth a little bit with kind of trying to make an excuse for himself if you kind of listen to the rest of the interview, too, on that last interception against the Denver Broncos. But, I mean, hey, you want to talk about, like, yeah, the no-spleen zone? What, what is this really? What's the spin here? It's, oh, shit, I got to go back in the locker room tomorrow and see guys again. Uh, I better try to, like, clear the clear the record a little bit and let guys know what I really meant or that I am actually sorry about some of the things that have gone on He's here. already remedied that. He went, he went on that boat, on that cruise in Georgia, with well, his teammates. It's already fixed. That well, that's where I, honestly, when I heard yesterday, I did think about, yeah, he invited the skill guys to his house, lake house in Georgia. Was there any conversation over the weekend? Does a Juju Smith-Schuster go, yeah, dude, you need to make like a comment publicly. Like the what you did to Antonio Brown was not cool. There's guys in the locker room that, you know, don't respect that you said that, whatever yeah. it is. Did a moment like that happen? Or does Big Ben just smart enough to realize like, okay, you know, did the like the light flash on and go? Okay, I gotta obviously change my ways a little bit. And what I did was not right. And if I am gonna get the respect of the locker room, we're gonna improve as a team going forward. I gotta change my ways and hold myself a little bit more accountable because I can mm-hmm. tell you that was bullshit what he did to Antonio Brown. I mean, come on, that was a horrible decision, horrible throw. It was a defensive tackle that intercepted it, and he was trying to blame the route. Yeah. I mean, what did he want Antonio Brown to do, run between the defensive line and the offensive line? I mean, that was the only way he was going to come underneath that guy. So just unrealistic, broke the man code, broke the locker room code. And, yeah, he's trying to do damage control right now to show the team in the locker room that he's going to be a new man going forward. So let's see if Antonio Brown accepted the pseudo-apology he tweeted out. And he tweeted two words. He goes, Two-Face. Yeah, he's so, not buying it. No, he's not buying no, it. No, he's he's had enough. And it, he, he seems like he is not going to unrelent on uh, 
on on Big Ben at, at any point. But yeah, I mean, just and the, I don't I don't think Big Ben really will change, honestly, because from what you hear from the team, the people that matter, the Mike Tomlin, yeah, they 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 condone the the actions for the most part of of Ben Roethlisberger. They say he has that right to call out players. So I don't think there's a whole lot of pressure above him in that organization no, that are calling either. him out and saying that he did anything wrong. And so I would. I think taking his teammates out and the skill guys out and going on a boat in Georgia was was a good idea. That's a good step, right, to good get step. some camaraderie. I don't right. think he feels that bad about how it all went down, uh, probably, probably. not. No, he's going to miss that he's not there catching his footballs this year. Yep. That's probably where he feels bad or, or worse than anything. But, you know, hey, I would say this to Big Ben, too. Hey, screw the radio interview weekly, the weekly radio appearance. He gets like, very loose on that, thing, right? It, it, it gets always gets him in trouble, that. right? It always ends up going back to that where he gets some tr- himself in trouble with some sort of comments so to me hey there's been enough talk in Pittsburgh the last few years in general whether it's been Le'Veon Bell's contract situation Antonio Brown's issues on and off the field Big Ben causing issues you know James Harrison not being happy in Pittsburgh then going to New England spouting off like just got to be a little less talking to me and a little bit more playing and maybe a little more focused on the task at hand so you know Quarterbacks do that, right? Because you want the leader. You want you want to be able to feel like you can challenge the guys. You st- have to have that respect of the guys too. So it's got to go both ways. And I'm curious. I mean, you're you're a quarterback, and you're in that position where you're expected to be the leader. Mm-hmm. You're maybe expected at times if you feel like the play of your teammates is faltering, maybe to make a comment. Uh, did you ever have that moment in your your career where you felt like now is the time for me to? call out this receiver, this player? No, well, uh, no. I think the, the first way you gain respect of player on the offense, and I know just at least in the, the, the few times that I felt like I gained respect, was the accountability factor. Like where we're watching, we're watching the film as a full offense. Yeah. And maybe somebody lines up wrong, and I take the heat because I go, you know what? I told him to line up there. That was my fault. Or, hey, coach, I messed up in the huddle and said this, and I should have said that, and that's why Mike Allstott ran the wrong route into the flat. Whatever it may be, when you do things like that, the players then know, oh. This dude's got my back, and he ain't afraid to take the heat from the coach and do that. Those are the things you have to do right off the bat is to be a leader. That's why Tom Brady's so revered up in New England, right? Because guys go in there and they see, damn, Bill Belichick just yelled at Tom Brady like he was the third-string defensive back, and he didn't bat an eye. And, yeah, it's the uh, ability to take that accountability or be accountable to yourself, I should say. And, um, you know, the only positions I ever felt like I could yell at were the offensive line at times. Offensive line could take it. Other positions, you know, hey, a receiver drops the football. Um, you know, a receiver makes a, a mental mistake. Gosh, they're getting yelled at by the head coach or the offensive coordinator or their wide receiver coach before the play's even over. So there's nothing that I, as the quarterback, was going to do. Yeah. I, more times than not, took the other way around. Like, where if a receiver dropped the ball and it hit him right in the chest, I would literally take the blame and be like, oh, I should have thrown a better spiral. My bad. None of that. That was yeah. that was a tough one to catch because I wanted to keep them in the right frame of mind. I didn't want yeah. them to go, oh gosh, Kim, I'm I'm off my game here, and Chris is questioning me and all this. And also, I knew that if they dropped the ball like that, damn, Gruden or somebody was going to get on their ass anyway. So they didn't need to hear it's it. Not from like me they were too. trying to drop that ball. Exactly right. right. So I always tried to stay yeah, positive. Next time, along I'm going to catch the ball that's right in the numbers. Yes, that's a good and point, I, Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but I more times than not. Uh, you know, took that route. And with the guys that were like a constant pain in the ass and always screwing up, you know, more times than not as a quarterback, I feel like I never had to get on them because they were already, the coaches were already all over them right. because they were screwing up on a regular basis. To and where, you were going to see it. You might not see them again, right? Yeah, well, right, exactly. Like, okay, just move on. But O-line was the only one I ever felt comfortable about, like I could yell at and be like, hey, what the fuck, guys? Yep. Like, are we going to block anybody today? Can I throw one throw without getting hit today? Like they were capable on the field of taking that, I always say they're cows, and they will graze in the corner until you put a poker in their ass and get them going sometimes, and that's the way all linemen are. I mean, that, that's such a good point because you kind of build up this whole this whole environment of accountability, right? And if you're the one who's accountable and say, my bad, then all of a sudden other people feel like, okay, then I, I can I feel safe doing that too. Hey, hey that's my bad. I, I screwed it's, that it's up. It starts a culture of yep. going, you know what? I got to be better first before I start Because the, the opposite can else. be true. You can build up the culture of the opposite where it's like, oh, let's, let's – 
Excuse, Blame, excuse, excuse. Right. And right. Get it off of me. Coach told me this. Else. Or in the right. meeting last week, we said this. You know, yes. And that, that's not, never good. I'm trying to teach that to my four-year-old right now. Yeah. Who I can't, it's, I'm having a very tough time. Everything, everything that happens is someone else's fault. Yeah, of course. Right. He right. falls down. He goes, oh, it's because someone was talking to me while I was walking. I'm like, no, <laughs> you just tripped and fell. <laughs> so I got I, I got to bring you over somehow and instill this. You could do it. You got him. You just got to crack the whip a little bit. Uh, no, I'll go. That was my fault that you fell down i probably i was distracted i you. was distracted you're right i was talking too much sorry and then he'd go you're right dad it was your fault. <laughs> yeah, right go, no you're not learning <laughs> um okay cool so that's a little spleen going yep. on from a uh, little spin spleen from uh, ben roethlisberger there might be a lot of spin going on uh in new york not just with the jets we also got that other team over there that we we got we have some show spin. them respect we have some spin with the giants yes uh we will show them respect but here's here's a few tweets that have come out about uh, uh, the Giants, this one from uh, Matt Lombardo. That's uh, a beat writer that covers the team. He said, first team period for Eli Manning, one for six with two interceptions. Uh, this was after we saw a- another tweet that Coach Shermer said, Eli Manning looks really good. He's throwing the ball well and looks strong physically. Those two don't match up. Where's the you, spin? You think? Well, the, the spin is the continuing spin of the New York Giants. Yes. Well, to, to me, this is where... This is why I thought this this subject was entertaining to a degree because you know I know there's some people up here in the New York the tri-state area are trying to go like does Daniel Jones have a chance to be the week one starter and challenge Eli Manning? No, just for things just like that right there. I'm not going to believe the Giants will bench Eli Manning until I see it. I have got to see it to believe it. It's been about five years now of making up excuses for him whenever it is. Apparently nobody in the organization is allowed to say anything negative about him. He hasn't played a bad game in the last seven years, and he hasn't had one bad moment if you really notice it. And I know I sound like I'm a jerk right now, but I'm just going. Once you win a Super Bowl or two, you can do no wrong. I I mean, this case will certainly accentuate that point. I mean, it's one playoff appearance since 2011. It's the most losses in football out of any quarterback. It's the most interceptions by any quarterback in football. You can go down the list. But the Giants are going to continue to make those type of excuses. And, you know, it just speaks to the ongoing propaganda of, I don't know if it's the Maras or the Tishes or just they put the kibosh on anybody in that organization to ever say anything bad. But, you know, the big thing is this. The first OTA, one for six, two interceptions, the first team period. Yeah. To me, and I know this is just practice and we're just in May, that's still – like a little bit like what hmm. he threw he was one for six with two interceptions no, the great, first de- great defense great defense great defense yeah, apparently very good defense because i can promise you like with guys like brady or rogers or matt ryan or you know russell wilson or andrew luck i could promise you their first team period if they got six throws nobody's worse than like five for six and they might have had like five bombs or huge completions where like whoa they're gashing the team yeah. not one for six or two interceptions so that to me is a little alarming in itself as, as well okay so but you they're not gonna they're not gonna he no. could go he could go one for 12 with five interceptions still be the guy week one I I don't think like there's nothing I he's gonna literally have to throw 10 interceptions in the preseason to get benched for for week one and I don't even think if he played bad or poorly the first two three weeks of the the year, I still don't think anything would happen. I think it's going to take a two to two and four, two and five type record before Eli's ever sat on the bench. Well, there is one good thing though, if yeah. you're if you're the Giants, is that you know maybe Eli's numbers aren't going well so far in OTAs, but the uh, the duplicate the duplication of uh, of Eli Manning is going very well. Oh if you're my watching gosh. on YouTube right now, you see the tweet from Matt Mayer over at CBS, and it is a picture of Eli. And Daniel standing right behind him. Same face mask. Same, same helmet. Everything. Same Same lip. chin strap. The lip is the same. S- same squint. Same, same squint. lip. Right. I mean, it is the same mannerism altogether. And again, him. I mean, <laughs> they cloned him. They cloned him. <laughs> they cloned Eli Manning. We sent a special sperm and egg to David Cutcliffe, and we've cloned another Manning but, yeah. and named him Jones. It took 20-plus years, and here we are. Here we yes. are right now. We've so they look him. almost identical. Right. And here's the thing with Daniel Jones, too. He's going to be – he has to be better than what everyone says. Right, because right now the the whole story with Dan- with Daniel Jones is that he's going to be the worst bust in the history of the NFL. No, he'll be better than that. He's going to be better than Christian Hackenberg or Blake Bortles. I can tell you that. I still, I I got hope for this guy. What is that? What is that? 
Did you just? Oh, I just hit the music on my phone by accident. <laughs> I thought you did that on purpose. I did not. I thought you were using Cuddy. it to make a point. Uh, that was Kid Cuddy there uh, for anybody. But no, um, I totally lost what I was thinking about. Daniel now. Jones. He's going to be better than Bortles. You know, yes, but, but you I, think Bortles is the worst quarterback of all time? Well, that's I, not. That's a I, low I, bar. <laughs> shut up. I think, <laughs> I think Daniel Jones. I don't enjoy the piling on. I did not think he was a first round quarterback. I thought he was more of a second round type quarterback. If we had to rate him there, yeah. but. I still understand what teams would see as far as him maybe being a potential starter in a franchise quarterback somewhere down the line. I don't think that's totally crazy. You know, you know who maybe they should have taken? What? And I don't know if you saw this. What person? Arch Manning. Arch, shoot. So Arch Manning, yep. uh, nephew of Eli and Peyton. Yep. He made his uh, varsity debut for Isidore Newman High School in New Orleans. He is the son of Cooper Manning, who yeah. I've heard now is uh, not Cooper, it's Kaupa. Something like that. I'm Coop. not going to say it. Okay. I don't even know. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it's like Koopa. Koopa? Oh, Koopa? Yeah. King Koopa. It was a, it's a Koopa. 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 We just heard something. But, I mean, I, the, anyway, if you're the watching point, on YouTube. The point is yeah. Arch, uh, Arch Manning, three touchdown passes. Yeah. Break down the style. Wearing the, wearing the 16, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, older uncle uh, Peyton did. Does he look like a Manning to you? He totally looks like a Manning. I mean, he did a few pump fakes, and the body language and the technique he used was so Manning. It was unbelievable. I like his throwing motion. It's real tight and compact, actually. I actually like his throwing motion, you know, better than than Eli's at this point. Really? Eli and I, yeah, I do. And not to say he's going to beat Eli or better than Eli. He's a freshman. But, still a long way yeah, to go. Yes, a long way to go. He's got a lot of growing to go, certainly. But, I mean, come on. There's not a more special family in the history of the NFL than the Manning family. And I know I just got done getting on Eli. Again, <laughs> I think Eli's awesome, and he had an awesome career. So I don't want to detract that. I don't think he's awesome right now. I don't think he was awesome last year. I'm just trying to be real here with you, everybody here. But, damn, two Super Bowls, best quarterback in Giants history. I get all that. Peyton Manning, for me, is one of the five best quarterbacks in the history of the sport. Archie Manning was a legend who was just caught on a shit team his whole career. But, yeah, I think uh, Arch has got a chance to – to be something. He can basically go to any college he wants. I would think so. With he the way it looks right, right now, there. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, it looks like it's all going in the right direction. And he's certainly going to grow and be tall and has an athletic gene to begin with. So, yeah, yeah if you're playing the potential card, uh, I would say that kid's got potential. So, Rivals has already listed the top three for uh, for Arch Manning. Right. This is not, this is not where he is considering. It's yeah. just where he think they think he may go. Okay. Uh, LSU, all right, right there, hometown program. Yeah, gotcha. Tennessee, yeah, right, Peyton, right, and then Ole Miss. Oh, so they just went with the they old just, family it was name. Pretty huh? easy. I think. Uh, I, I think Duke with uh, with Coach Cutcliffe for sure. If he's still the there, yep, that's right. At That'll that point, there. they could need another clone. Right? <laughs> here, here. They could get the almost <laughs> even closer uh, uh, than Daniel Jones. So that is that is Arch Manning as well. Is there any uh, any other news we got? Any other thing that we missed there? All the all the spleen that was going on. I think we got it. Okay, we got we got it. We're all. done. How did you feel back in the no, seat? I do have. So I didn't know if we did winners or losers. Right. I know we talked a little bit. Are you a Game of Thrones? No, you didn't watch that at all. I did not watch. I watched the which kind of seems year. like it'd be up your alley. I know. I got. I I'm going happened. to watch it. This is a show that I, the wife and I have talked about. Like, definitely going to get into. So you're going to go back and watch it, Start even it though over. you've heard all the reaction, the negative reaction about yeah. the the season finale. I know nothing about it, the reaction. I know people are people overwhelmed don't like by it, but I have no idea the specifics. So I don't know. All I know is that there was a water bottle caught in a shot, and that was <laughs> there big was news. Yep. in a Starbucks uh, a few weeks ago, ago, right? Yep. A few yep. weeks ago, yep. and it ruined the whole thing for everyone ruined and the dragons aren't real if there's a starbucks coffee and i, I do i thought they were real <laughs> until then i'm not a i'm not a game of thrones i didn't watch it at all but i've just i've followed all the reaction on, on twitter and it does kind of it does make me a little uncomfortable and, and angry with the mentality of of i think there's a lot of people who think you know the the final season of game of thrones was so bad that it ruined the whole series for them all eight seasons of game of thrones what a waste of time and I think it's the same kind of mentality in the in the NFL. Yeah, you know, it's where it's like, oh, what a great season! Ah, oh, we lost first round of the playoffs. The whole season was a waste of yeah, time. Yeah, right. We got to get away from that. No, I enjoy. I, well, what yeah. do we hear all the time? It, it's the journey, not the destination, yeah, right? Yeah. Except in season finales and NFL playoffs, apparently. <laughs> yeah, then apparently. it's all about the destination. Enjoy the journey, because for Game of Thrones fans, I get it. You might be disappointed. It didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. 
You got eight seasons. You had over like 70 hours of entertainment. That was pretty fun. Yeah, it seemed like for it. For eight years of your life. It seemed like I mean, it, Don't it's, throw it, it all away. I've and got enough news to where I'm going to go back and watch it. I am at some point. And look for the water bottle and the, and the coffee cup. Sure. Yep. That's what I'm going to look for. Okay. okay. I just had to get that off my chest. Thank you. I'm yeah. glad you did. You're hairy I'm very chest. Surpri- I'm very surprised. Off it's it. not that hairy. It's not? No. Okay. I thought it might be. Okay. I see a few squigglies stinking out the top. There. I, li- I like the desk. I'm getting comfortable with it. I'm what gonna... a great time to end. We've officially oh. run out of things to talk about <laughs> other than his chest hair. Uh, Ahmed Farid, you're the man. Appreciate well it, as always. Uh, Chris Sims unbuttoned. Another episode coming out on Thursday. Be you're ready going to for that. Buffalo? I'm going to Buffalo tomorrow. I'm going to hang out with Josh Allen, talk a little football, talk about a little Patrick Mahomes. You think you can beat him in a throwing contest? Oh. I'm not so sure about that. We're going to see. You won't say that to him. I don't know you if I will that. either. I don't know. He'll will beat me up in a hurry. But <laughs> I uh, appreciate everybody listening. You know where to find me. Peace out, homies. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.